Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, where we can read the purpose and ambition of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you have not prepared, you'll get little from this. If you are not in a prayerful attitude, you'll get little from this. If you're not born again, you'll get nothing from this. I trust that for all those that are born again, they have prepared and are prayerful. The Holy Spirit of God was given to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God was not given for Benny Hinn to pretend he has him on a stage of a coliseum and supposedly heal people, which he does not do. The Holy Spirit was not given to testify of himself. The Holy Spirit was given to testify of Jesus of Nazareth, that He is indeed the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. But without that Spirit, we cannot profit from the Word of God. It is a closed and dry book without His blessing. And I trust that He will bless us now for a few minutes to consider these precious inspired words of the Spirit of God and that He will give them a lodging place in our hearts and feed our souls with them and quicken our affections to lift them out of this world and thank the Lord for Jesus our Savior. John chapter 4 and verse 34. This is the ambition of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. That was the ambition of the Lord Jesus Christ to do the will of God. Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. My meat, the substance of my life, the important thing to me is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He knew that from the beginning, that his purpose was to finish the work of God and the work of God was to save his elect from their sins so that through eternity... There would be a seed that would praise Him for the loving kindness and the glorious grace He has shown toward us. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, the red writing in your red letter edition Bibles, was on this earth 2,000 years ago. His presence here is more important than the presence of any man and of all men combined. He is the Son of God. And He was here on earth. And this was his ambition. He was 30 years of age or so when he said this. And a few years later, he would finish that work that he said he would finish. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We have a finished salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 17. Let's turn to John 17. My meat, the substance of my life, the most important thing to me is to do the will of God and to finish the work of redemption. John chapter 17, you can see, is also in red writing in your Bible. This is the true Lord's Prayer. The other prayer that you commonly call the Lord's Prayer is the Disciples' Prayer, because it was given to the disciples to teach them how to pray. 
This is his prayer to his father a couple of hours before he was crucified. This was between the Last Supper and his crucifixion. John 17. I want verse 4 for my point right now, for your point right now. I have glorified thee on the earth, he said in his prayer. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. His ambition in John chapter 4 was now coming to a close in John chapter 17. In case you're confused about the timeline and why the Lord Jesus would use the words, I have finished, as he comes to the end of his life, he has lived the perfect life of obedience, doing everything that pleased his Father. And everything at the end is compressed together. So in some places in the Bible, we read that we are justified by his blood. Then we are told in other places that we are justified by his resurrection, which took place 72 hours later. Which is true. Both are true. Because they're all compressed together when the timing is not important. And the timing is not important right here. He is at the end of his life. And he is saying, everything you required of me so far, I have finished that work. And he is about, he, his mind is fully made up. And if the Lord Jesus Christ made up his mind that he was going to lay his life down, it was as good as laid down. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Let's come over to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And in the midst of the black print in your Bibles, we have verse 30. With a little expression in red writing. For those of you with that kind of a Bible. Brethren. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Man and Son of God, 33 years old, has been up for 33 hours, the last 12 to 15 of which have been torture and dying. He has hung for three hours in darkness with the dust of death choking the life out of his nostrils, his tongue cleaving to the Jaws of his mouth, his bones staring upon him, all out of joint, his strength poured out like water, his heart melted like wax in the midst of his bowels. Angry men, rattling, barking like dogs around the foot of the cross. This is true history. This is the history that ought to be taught in every class. But we don't want to cast the pearls before the swine, nor give that which is holy to dogs. This is our history. And so we are in this place, segregated from the world, to hear the real history of the earth. And this is the dividing of time. The whole world admits that there are B.C. dates and A.D. dates admitting that Jesus of Nazareth is the most important figure in history. Every time you date a check... Or put your date on a paper at school. I don't care if you're a Muslim. You're admitting that the human history turns on the existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our history. We are to tell the generation to come that's sitting among us. And we don't tell it in Sunday school classes. 
as we will discuss in the second assembly today, we don't tell it in Sunday school classes with flannel graph figures. We tell it right here under the, with the preaching of God's Word straight out of the Scriptures. Three hours of darkness hanging there in all, with all the trouble in the world. Anger and hatred forsaken by God His Father. Seeing you and me. Seeing you and me. He remained faithful to the end. Because God had given him assignment and it was his meat to do that assignment and to finish it. And that was to redeem the seed that had been given to him. The sheep that had been given to him. All those that had been given to him. The children which thou hast given me. He saw them and he would not fail at the midnight hour. He would not fail at the 3 p.m. in the afternoon hour with that darkness over the earth. These are his words in John 19 and verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. They didn't take the ghost from him. That ghost right there is his spirit. He had a human spirit just like we have. He had a full human nature, body, soul, and spirit. They did not take his spirit from him. He gave up the ghost. He said, I have power to lay down my life, and I have power to take it up again. And he laid it down right here. You might be asking yourself, are these the last words of Jesus? No. The last words of Jesus are as he gave up the ghost, he said, Father... Into thy hands I commend my spirit. That is the greatest act of faith you can even think about. A couple hours earlier he had cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But when it's time to die, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He had complete confidence and trust and faith that he had done the will of God and he could commend his spirit commit his spirit, give up his spirit into the hands of God, and God would take care of it. And God did. It is finished. And along come men after that, trying to come up with all sorts of salvation schemes that does not have redemption finished. What blasphemy. Brethren, we are going to rejoice in the fact that Jesus said it is finished. And He is the first fruits of them that slept. If He was able to die that way, and God has not forsaken us, will we be able to die saying, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. He is our Father. Purchased adoption by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is as much our Father as He is the Father of Jesus Christ. Am I saying too much to say that? We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Heirs of what? Heirs of God. Are we willing and able to die? Thank you, brother. Say it. Amen. We can. By the grace of God, because we trust in a Savior who said it is my meat to finish His work. Who said, I have finished Thy work. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I've done everything I could to glorify Thee, Father. And now I go to the cross. And it is finished. Father, take me. I commend my spirit into thy hands. Praise the high God of heaven. There's no drama like this written by any man. This is a divine drama. 
you know, as close as the world can get, and it's, it's as close as heaven is to hell, they come up with a divine comedy. This is a divine drama, and it's glorious, and I hope you love it. We believe these words. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. We believe them. They're comforting words to us. They're encouraging words to us. That the way of redemption, the way to heaven, the eternal inheritance that is ours, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing to separate us from the love of God. Not ever. Not anything you can do. Not anything anyone else can do to separate you from that love. Because He finished satisfying God for us. This, these words are not only comforting, they are destructive of all sacramentalism and conditionalism that men have come up with. Any scheme of salvation by works means that Jesus didn't finish it. That men must finish it. Any system of sacramental salvation that there are sacraments to convey grace to you to finish the work cannot be true because Jesus said, it is finished. And we believe that. We believe that. We trust those words. And we will study the rest of Scripture to make it fit those words. So that the whole Scripture declares it is a finished work. Most of the religious world believes Jesus only made salvation possible so that it was not finished for anyone in particular, but left wide open for everyone in general. That if they'll meet the conditions, they can be saved. Which leads to the errors of sacramentalism, decisional regeneration, and all the other schisms, isms of the world. Put another way, most of the religious world believes that the majority of those Jesus died for end up in hell. And those who end up in heaven got there by their own works. Not by His finished work. When the Bible tells me in Isaiah 53, He shall see His seed, He wasn't looking at the souls in hell. You know what the rest of the world teaches about that? That He died equally for all men, even those already in hell. He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. That's not prospering. That's disgusting. That's blasphemous. He shall see His seed. He saw every one that He will present to the Father. And every one of those were given to Him before the world began. We know these things. We know these things. But we need to be reminded of them and comforted and encouraged and provoked in them so that we might live for Him who died for us. Yes, there's a method to my madness today. And I'm not mad. I speak the things of truth and sincerity. This is real history. And it should change our lives. No wonder Paul said, as I started a little while ago, the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for us, those that live should live for Him who died for them. Is that logical to you? Does that make sense? It makes perfectly wonderful sense. Most of the religious world leaves Jesus so unhappy. And yet Isaiah 53 said the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. And He would sit down at God's right hand and enjoy pleasures forevermore. He is not grieving over a single soul that He tried to save that wasn't saved. He is rejoicing for saving every soul that He tried to save. Because He saved every single one of them. Anything added to the finished work of Jesus Christ destroys the Gospel. It is not a... It is not a gospel. 
Because gospel is good news. And the only good news that we have, the good news that we do have, is it is finished. Because it is finished. Let's look at a few examples. Now, as we turn in this book, this book is not Jonathan Crosby's book, and it's not your book. It's the book of God. These are God's words. As we turn to them, I hope that you have a prepared and prayerful heart. And I pray and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit of God to make these things very real to you. Turn to Genesis chapter 3 where we have the first declaration of the will of God for Jesus Christ. He said, it is my meat to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. In Genesis chapter 3, we have our family tree described with the two people at the top of that tree, Adam and Eve. They were lied to. You know the simple, simple story. This is the source of death. We know the cause of death, and we know the cure for death. Because the Bible tells us so. This is why men get sick and die right here in Genesis chapter 3. But as Adam blamed Eve, and then Eve blamed the serpent... God directed these words to the serpent, to the devil, that old serpent, Satan. Genesis 3.15, this is after verse 14 when he told him how he was going to travel in that serpent creature. Verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Aren't you thankful for a King James Bible? It doesn't say, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. She shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise her heel. Are you thankful that we have a Bible that reads differently than that? There are many people that believe that it's Mary that bruised the head of the serpent. If you were to go to the Bob Jones Art Museum, and I do recommend it from time to time to look at Catholic art, if you want to go there and wander through their art museum, you will see pictures of Mary standing on the serpent. Because according to Catholics who who did the painting back then, do you think that Catholics were going to allow you to paint if you were a Baptist? Do you think your painting would be preserved? Do you think a Baptist would paint a picture of Jesus anyway? Thank you. Okay. We understand why all painting from the Dark Ages, is Catholic. And they have Mary standing on the serpent. Mary needed deliverance from that serpent as much as any person that's ever walked this earth. She needed her seed, the seed of the woman, that would bruise the serpent's head, giving it a fatal wound. It is my meat to do the will of Him that sent me. And that will was to be the seed of the woman and to bruise The serpent's head. That is prophetic language for giving that devil a fatal wound. And he gave him a fatal wound when he said, it is finished. All these statements were completed when when Jesus said, it is finished. The devil had been destroyed in his claim over us because Jesus died for us. So the claim of God's law that we would have to die, not only die physically, but die eternally, was lifted. Oh, death! Where is thy sting? Because Jesus had lifted that from us. He had destroyed the devil. 
Look at Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. The Bible's full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what the Bible says about the Bible? Do you know what Jesus says about the Bible? Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. John chapter 5 and verse 39. When you read the Bible, and if you read it with the proper spirit and attitude, you are looking for the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming deliverance. And in all those Old Testament prophets, there are hints there, and there are bold statements made about what Jesus Christ would come and do for us Gentiles. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel, Gabriel the angel tells him, I'm come to give you understanding. I have a simple prophecy to give you. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Seventy weeks of years, 490 years from Gabriel the angel telling Daniel these words, these things would be done. Finish the transgression. Make an end of sins. Do I need to explain some of these? They're pretty plain, aren't they? Gabriel said, I come to give you understanding. I didn't come to confuse you. I came to give you understanding. To make reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. Let's look at those. Of those six things, number two, three, and four should be very clear to your mind. To make an end of sin. To make reconciliation and to bring in everlasting righteousness. When Jesus said, it is finished. This prophecy was finished. Those things were finished. He said it is finished. Because do you know what? If we went on to read this prophecy, two verses later, it tells us that Messiah would be cut off in the midst of the week and not for Himself. Verse 26, after three score and two weeks, that's after 69 weeks because seven has already been dealt with, which puts us in the 70th week. Messiah shall be cut off, but not for Himself. To be cut off is to be killed. And for whom was He killed? Not for Himself, but for us. He was cut off for us, fulfilling this prophecy. It is finished. Brought the 70 weeks to a conclusion. Let's turn to Isaiah 53 where some of you read last evening. I hope you read. Isaiah 53. Oh, brethren, aren't you thankful to be able to read down through that? And while there may be a few phrases, there may be a couple clauses that you don't fully understand, you understand that Isaiah is not talking about himself. You understand Isaiah is speaking about Jesus of Nazareth. The poor Ethiopian eunuch didn't know if Isaiah was talking about himself or another man. Right. And it says that Philip got to get up in that chariot and preach to him, Jesus. Amen. And that this Jesus had said, it is finished. Right. You, do you think Philip told him that? That it is finished. What is finished? Everything in Isaiah 53 was finished. Which verse do you want to pick on from Isaiah 53? Or, or which, which jewel do you want to admire the most in Isaiah 53? How about verse 5? He was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. 
If you look at that verse, we've got transgressions to get rid of. We have iniquities to be paid for. We have peace to be made with God. And we have healing of our souls to be made between us and God. When Jesus said, it is finished. Isaiah 53, 5 was finished. Our souls had been healed by His stripes. Peace had been made with God by God chastising Him through the Romans and the Jews. How about verse 10? This, I'll tell you what, Isaiah 53 gets better every verse you read into it. And it really starts with a preamble in chapter 52. The last three verses of Isaiah 52 give you the introduction into this wonderful chapter. But when we come to verse 10, and I've mentioned these words now about four times, but I do want you to see them. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. When he said it is finished, he had made his soul an offering for sin, he had seen his seed, and he would prolong his days because he took up his life again, and the pleasure of the Lord. What is the pleasure of the Lord? The pleasure of the Lord is for us to be adopted as the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. For the good pleasure of His will. It was prospering in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ who finished the work that God had given Him to do. Verse 11. God, the Father, shall see of the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. It is finished. Satisfaction with God was finished. By His knowledge, that is Jesus Christ. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For he shall bear their iniquities. The faithfulness and knowledge of God and fear of God that Jesus Christ had so that he was a perfect sacrifice justified many. It is finished. He bore their iniquities. It is finished. The sin that corrupts our bodies, the sin that corrupts our minds, the sin that corrupts our affections so that we do not think, speak, feel, desire, Like we should. That sin has been destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. I have ripped that poison, that dross. I have ripped that corrupting, perverting influence out of the lives of all the seed legally so that they can come into heaven and stand innocent, pure, holy, and without blame before the God of heaven. It is finished. He ripped out all that was terrible in us legally and paid for it by the blood of His cross. Do you know what 12 is there for? It's the concluding verse, therefore. As a result of all that Jesus did, God said, therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great. How great was He made? Was He promoted far above all principalities and powers and every throne and might name that is named? Amen. Indeed He was. And He shall divide the spoil with the strong. He was given the Holy Spirit to pour out upon His church. He gave gifts to men, and that is dividing the spoil with the strong. The spoils of His victory was the Holy Spirit, the promise of God the Father that He would send a holy comforter to be with His church world without end, and we have that today. He has divided the spoil with us. And if you don't know what the Spirit of God is, it's your fault, not His fault. He's divided the spoil. You've grieved Him. You've quenched Him. You've lost the blessing. You've squandered the grace. The Holy Spirit is the power in our lives for joy. Can I cheat and leave my outline for a second? You know I'm going to. 
Romans 15, 13 has become one of my favorite verses. Listen to these words. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13. Those of you that have a good memory and know me at all know that my favorite verse has been Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But I have come to love Romans 15, 13 because of all that's contained in this verse for those who will use the power of the Holy Ghost that has been divided to us by Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. Right. You know, the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. Right. That doesn't mean wait around until you get filled. It means be filled. That's an imperative verb. That's something you do. You can pray for the Holy Spirit of God. You can be filled by getting rid of all the carnal cares of this life. You get into this Bible. This is His book. You get into this looking for Jesus Christ and to learn of Him better. And you're going after the most glorious and precious theme to the Spirit of God. You will be filled with the Spirit of God. You quit trying to make yourself happy with anything the world has to offer. He'll make you happy. Look at this verse, Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you. Fill you with all, not a little bit, all joy. You say, I haven't been very happy recently. Is it God's fault? Is it Jesus' fault? Did Jesus divide the spoil with the strong? Has He poured out His Spirit? Did he, when He promised, it is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter that will be with you forever. And God, the Father, and I will come and make our abode with you and dwell with you forever. Amen. Did, he, did He mean that when He said that? Right. I will fill you with all joy and peace. Have you been disturbed, upset, irritated, offended? In believing. It starts with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through, in, through believing that ye may abound. Notice the word abound. Have an overflowing abundance of it. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is done by the Holy Spirit of God. Now notice, I did not say sow your seed and reap a harvest six months from now by making 10,000% return on what you put in our box. That's what Benny Hinn and everybody else wants to say the Holy Spirit's here to do. The Holy Spirit is here to give you, to fill you with all joy and peace and abounding hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And what is the trigger aspect of it? Through believing. Believing what? There's one thing to believe above all others. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the Son of God and our Savior from sin. He has brought in everlasting consolation and hope. We, we know each other. Are there times that we're not full of joy? Are there times we're not full of peace? Are there times we don't have all joy and all peace? Are there times we're not abounding in hope and we feel kind of hopeless? Do you know what the problem is? We are no longer believing. We've forgotten to believe. Do you know where all that came from? Because Jesus died for us. That's where all that came from. 
because of Isaiah 53 and verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. You say, well, I don't, am I strong? Do I get to count as strong? Jesus said he's made you kings and priests that will live forever. Sounds pretty strong to me. Right. Including his ministers, of course, because Paul would say that when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, and so forth. You know that, but he also gave the Holy Spirit to every single one of us. Right. And that's the greatest spoil the world has ever seen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to, if you're a child of God, you need to humble yourself right now and beg for the Lord God to forgive you your sins that you've grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit of God. You have quenched the filling power that can give you all joy, peace, and hope in believing. It is finished. What do those words mean? All that Romans 15, 13 has to offer you was finished. It is a reality that is yours if you are filled with the Spirit of God. And to be filled with the Spirit of God is your choice. If you want to fill yourself with the inputs and things of this life, you will grieve and quench that spirit and you will not know what I just talked about. For those of you that have tasted it, meditate on Romans 15, 13 and get down on your knees and lay the Bible open in front of the God of heaven and tell Him, this is what I want. Forgive me for not believing like I should believe. Forgive me for quenching and grieving Thy Holy Spirit. And give me thy Holy Spirit. Do you know what Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 13? He said, any child on this earth can ask a father for a fish, and that father's not going to give him a stone. And he said, if you, being evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit Amen. to them that ask him? Right. I'm sorry I got off track. Thank you. I'm not very sorry, and you know that. I hope you'll love Romans 15:13. Do you know where it was purchased? In the words, it is finished. It is finished. I have won for my seed the Holy Spirit to give them. It is finished. Matthew 1:21. How many of you can quote this verse? I hope our children can. I hope our children will. It's simple enough. Matthew one twenty one. The angel is speaking to Joseph and comforting him to go ahead and Mary, take unto Mary his, to be his wife because what is in her was conceived there by the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel tells Joseph, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Does everyone have a King James Bible that looks like my Oxford? Is Jesus in all capital letters? She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. That was the will of God for Jesus to accomplish. The angel knew it because the angel was privy to that part of the covenant that Jesus was coming to save His people from their sins. You say, well, I think the word His people means the Jews. You think so? He didn't save all them from their sins because He told a number of them, ye shall die in your sins. He said to a number of them, how shall ye escape the damnation of hell? Who is this people? 
It's the seed of Isaiah 53, the elect of God given to him by God the Father. He shall see his seed. That seed shall be counted to him for a generation in Psalm 22. And here it's called his people. In John 10, it's going to be called my sheep because these are not the goats. These are the one, these are the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the seed through Jesus Christ of the seed of the woman. This is the seed of Abraham. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all those. We are the fulfillment of every one of those statements. And that's who Jesus Christ came to save from their sins. He had no sin of His own, but it was all for us. Did Mary bring forth a son? Yes. Did Joseph call His name Jesus? Yes. Did Jesus save His people from their sins? Yes. And when did He do it? It is finished. In John 19.30. It is finished. What the angel said, Mary was going to have that boy to do. He did it. He finished the will of his father. Oh, some of these are so basic to you, and I know that. But listen to me. If you think for one second when I turn you to a verse of Scripture, and you say, I know that already. In fact, he's quoted that three or four times in the last six months. Let me ask you this. Are you filled with all joy and peace and abounding hope through believing? If you're not, then there's a problem. My repetitions haven't been enough yet. Because it's some of these simple verses of Scripture that we need to look at and not just read and see the English letters on the page, but understand what is behind them that there was a transaction made, planned, made, and Jesus Christ completely finished. And it should affect our lives. And if it doesn't affect our lives, you should be confessing your sins right now to God and asking Him for it to affect your lives. Because this should affect our lives. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then they which live should henceforth live not unto themselves, but unto Him which loved them and gave Himself for them. But we can make another judgment. If you're not living that way, then you don't fully comprehend that Jesus finished such a glorious transaction for you. Are you with me? We have a problem. We have forsaken or forgotten what He did for us. Look at John John 6.39. We memorized this just a few weeks ago as one of the verses that defends our doctrine of particular redemption, that Jesus died for the elect and the elect only. John 6.38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. Remember John 4.34 said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. And here is that will explained for us. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Jesus Christ came with a will of God for a specific seed given to Him by the Father in election before the world began. Their names were written in the book of life before the world began. And He was not going to lose a single one of them, but raise them up again at the last day. And when He said, It is finished, that was finished. The purchase price of the redemption and the payment for the sins of all the elect had been complete, and He would indeed raise them up again at the last day. If He would lay down His life for them, 
to pay for their eventual resurrection, then we can know for certain that that eventual resurrection will take place. Because that is nothing in comparison to Him laying down His own life for those enemies which were us in our sins. It is finished. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Distinct and different from the other shepherds that He has just described and the thieves that come to destroy and to kill. John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. It is finished. The good shepherd had given His life for the sheep. When you look at those words, it is finished. What did Jesus finish? He finished the seed of the woman bruising the serpent's head. He finished the 70 weeks of Daniel. He finished Isaiah 53 being bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace being upon Him. What did He finish? He finished He shall save His people from their sins. He laid down His life for the sheep. Look at John chapter 11. Way over at verse 49. John eleven forty nine. Here's a prophet that didn't know he was prophesying. An enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. John eleven forty nine, And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, the Pharisees are having a discussion. The rulers of the Jews are discussing what they can do politically. And they're involving Jesus Christ. He says, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Caiaphas is reasoning politically. We can use the death of Jesus Christ as a political statement to Rome that we do not put up with anyone that's an enemy of Rome. And so if we kill one man, the Romans are going to like us and they'll preserve our nation. But God turned those words for us, the enlightened ones with the Word of God, to understand what was really said in that private council. And what was said in that private council was an enemy of Jesus Christ prophesying that Jesus would die for His seed among the Jewish nation and He would gather together in one by His death the children of God scattered abroad as well, which are us Gentiles. While He reasoned politically, God turned His words to teach us spiritually and it's recorded for us in the world's only true history book. And that's in John chapter 11. Thank you, Lord. How about John 17? And we pick up the words that came before the ones that we referred to a few minutes ago. What was Jesus to finish? What did He finish? When He said, it is finished. What was finished? We can start at verse 1 and we'll read those first three verses. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, 
that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. When Jesus said, it is finished, this was finished. What was finished? God had given Jesus Christ authority and power over all flesh. Over all flesh. But to give eternal life only to those that God had given Him. And what was eternal life? It was the blessing from the God of heaven to know God and to know His Son, Jesus Christ. We do not know God and His Son, Jesus Christ, in order to get eternal life. We have eternal life given to us in order for us to know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Because if it wasn't for that eternal life given in our new natures, in a new man, with a new heart and a new mind, we would not know God nor His Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, this is the way You've chosen for me to glorify You. Glorify me now, Father, and I will glorify You by doing these things You have sent me to do. And when He said it is finished, what we just read in those three verses was finished. He had authority over all flesh, but He gave eternal life to as many as God had given Him. And that eternal life was so that they could know their Father who had adopted them. And we shall know Him forever and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we shall sing their praises and serve them perfectly for eternity because of the gift of eternal life, not for the gift of eternal life. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. What did Jesus finish? He said it is finished. We could read many verses here. How about verse 19? For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The disobedience of the one that made many sinners was Adam in the Garden of Eden. The obedience of the one that made many righteous was the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said, it is finished, his work as the second Adam was done. His work as the second Adam was standing in as representative for all those God had given him. He obeyed for us. He died for us. As Adam had disobeyed for us and given us condemnation and death, Jesus obeyed for us and made us righteous and gave us justification unto life, which you can read in the context of that verse. It doesn't matter whether you believe or how much you know about Adam. Every one of us in this assembly, and it doesn't matter how small they are after the moment of conception, you are tied to Adam and you cannot disconnect yourself from him. Because God set him up as the federal representative of every single human being that's ever been conceived in this world. And how many are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ? All those that God chose before the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ. They're connected to Him and He is the second Adam and by His obedience and going to the death of the cross, He stood in for them and undid what the first Adam had done. It is finished. Included His work as the second Adam. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I quoted this verse to you a few minutes ago, but we want to see it. There's so many verses we could look at. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all things? When Jesus said, it is finished, God had given the greatest gift 
And that meant that every other thing that we shall ever need is going to be given to us freely. From Romans 8.32. It is finished. Every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus is ours. Because He said, it is finished. The price for them had been paid. If God, if God would not spare His only Son, but deliver Him up for us, how shall He not, with Him, also freely give us all things? That's arguing from the greater to the lesser. If God would give His Son for us, how much more is He going to give everything else that we need? Including eternal life, eternal inheritance, the Holy Spirit of God, and every other thing we enjoy. Because He gave the greatest gift, and Jesus said, It is finished. So the greatest gift had been given, and every other gift is to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 130. But of Him. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of Him. Who is that Him there, that third word, that pronoun in 1 Corinthians 1.30? That is God. Spoken of in verse 27. Spoken of in verse 28. That no flesh should glory in His presence, the presence of God. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. How do you get into Christ Jesus? God puts you into Christ Jesus. You don't get yourself into Christ Jesus. God puts you in Christ Jesus. When the Bible says, As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. How do we get into Christ? This is a simple one right here. Ephesians 1 tells us He chose us in Him. 2 Timothy 1.9 tells us it was His purpose and grace given us in Christ before the world began. But right here it says, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God, that who is referring back to Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. All the wisdom of God in our redemption, all the wisdom we'll ever need by our older brother, the head of our church, the cornerstone of our church, the wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Those four things Jesus Christ secured We are in Him by the choice of God, and those things are ours. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God, God made Him these four things. Wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, and redemption. When Jesus said, it is finished, those things were ours. Those things were ours, purchased for us and fulfilled for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That is all the choice of God. In verse 27 it says, For, But God hath chosen the foolish things. In verse 28, God hath chosen in the middle of the verse. It's all of God so that God gets all the glory, so that he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. It is finished. I finished the work. No one else adds anything to it. It's all yours because of what I have done for you. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that they which are under the law might receive the adoption of sons. It is finished. Adoption was completed. Redemption was completed. Justification was completed. Sanctification was completed. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, Once for all. It is finished. 
We're sanctified. We're made holy. We're justified. We're made righteous. We're redeemed. We're bought back from sin. We're reconciled. We're at peace with God. The atonement's been made for us. We're at one with God again. He has been the propitiation for our sins. We have been adopted. We might as well be glorified already because it's as sure as anything else. And it all stems in the words, it is finished. He started out his ministry. It is my meat to do the will of him that sent me. Father, glorify me that I might glorify you. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And then a few hours later, it is finished. Paul would say, God forbid that I should glory in anything but what I just told you. If you haven't thought about the crucifixion of Christ in a while, then go home and read Isaiah 53 again. I sent you a few notes on it that might help you, might not. I sent you a few notes on Psalm 22. Read Psalm 22 again. Read John 19. We have the Lord's Supper one week from today. Let's come to that supper with our new brother Adam and remember what Jesus Christ did for us. It is finished. And can I remind you of one thing before I finish that I've already said? If you're not full of all joy and peace and abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost, the fault is not God's. The fault is ours. He has divided the spoil with the strong. And the greatest part of that spoil was the Holy Spirit of God. That's why Peter said in the day of Pentecost, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear, the presence of the Spirit of God in the churches of Jesus Christ. If you are not full of joy and peace and abounding in hope through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, either you're not born again or you are walking in the flesh. Repent. Confess your sins and restore that joy and fellowship that's described in 1 John chapter 1. It's yours to have through confession and repentance. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is much joy, much peace, abounding hope through believing in Jesus Christ who has won a great victory for us. And even the presence of the Spirit of God is because He said, It is finished. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word, the comfort of your souls. Amen.